You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast. And we'll spend the next hour talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. As long as my voice lasts long enough. If you'd like to contact the show, you can call us at 844-999-9249. That's 844-999-9249. Or you can email us at letstalktorah.gmail.com. Text me. Well, you can't text me. I'm not giving you a text number. You can email me. I'll answer your questions, comments. We enjoy it all. And I am joined today by an old, still, not just an old friend, but still, a friend, Gil Borman. Gil, how are you today? Well, I'm great, Svi. It's an honor and pleasure to be on the show with you today. Uh, It's good to have you. Gil, I was thinking today, how long have we known each other? Do you remember, like, how long ago did I somehow get through the phone? We go back, we were, I, I want to say 1988, 89, something like that. It's probably, maybe I mean, sooner? maybe the mid-90s. It's, it's, you think it's, it's that? Even that late, okay. Yeah, because I don't think I was living in Detroit till the mid-90s. And oh, that's well, when I would that's, have... Uh, that's when I met you. As I, and I'm still working on getting you to write me that big check, but we're getting closer. Absolutely. We are getting closer. That is the, I would not say that's the goal, but that's just one of the side <laughs> benefits of people who meet me. They get to write checks, not to me. Checks are not for me, but for charity. All good. But we got to talk. We got to wrap up the holidays. Mm-hmm. If they need to be wrapped up, we got to talk about where it all began. Right, this week's story portion, but let's at least we were talking about it before. Let's uh, get back a little bit into the holidays. What the? It's sort of like the end of the holiday season. There's a long holiday season, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot, and we ended off with Simchat Torah. So I was asking you where you were, so we might as well start all over again. So where were you for Simchat Torah? Well, I went by uh, a rabbi's house and we danced with the Torah there. And did a little l'chaim. Oh, you didn't tell me about the l'chaim part. Well, you can't have Simchas Torah without doing a l'chaim. I mean, you could, unless you ask my children, and they'll tell you you can't. But <laughs> I, I, I do fine without the l'chaim part. It's, uh, um, what was I just, I was reading somewhere. Oh, yeah. Sam Adams has a, has a new beer out. You heard about this? No. No. Um, it costs, I think, $248 for a bottle, something like that. That is an expensive bottle of beer. It's it not is. really a beer. It's more, they, I think they said it's like a sherry. It's more like some type of, I don't know, like a sherry, a port. They did something special. They make a couple barrels, and they, they sell it during the season. That actually sounds pretty tempting. You know, the $2 bottle, like, you know, big deal. I'll have one. But anyways, in any case, a two hundred and forty-eight dollar <laughs> bottle—that's something, though. That's a little something more. That at least I have more interest in that. But anyways, <clears throat> so so let's let's take it uh, back. I want to say back to the beginning. That's gonna be the whole show. Everything is back to the beginning. Um, what is 
in your mind first, and then I'll tell you my thought. What is Simchat Torah in your mind? What is it? What's it all about? Well, it's, it's, a, it's an end and also a beginning. And it's both the end of the Tishrei holiday season, where it begins at, at, with the introspection even before uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And then we go all the way through Sukkot. And then in Simchas Torah, we've got this explosion of joy. And we, we finish reading the Torah like we do every, every year, reading one portion every week for 52 weeks. And then we proudly roll the Torah scroll back up and start all over again, just like we've been doing since forever. Okay, forever we're going to deal with in a second. But, um, it, it, I mean, you made an interesting point. It is the sort of the end of the holiday season. Um, and some will actually explain that that idea where we can dance and be joyous and be happy, and we're going to talk about that, really can only happen after a whole holiday season. You, you've, you've gotten yourself into position, you've been talking to God and pleading with God and saying, God, forgive me, and asking your friends to forgive you, and we've had all these days of prayer and fasting, and then we get into the Sukkot holiday, and we go out of our houses, and we shake the lul and etrog. After a whole holiday season, we're now ready to just sort of dance with God. So it's a very interesting—I wasn't going to go in that direction, but certainly a very interesting uh, thought. And they talk about it. It's, it's true that, that only after a whole holiday season could I then be ready to go ahead and say, now I can dance me and God. But it, it made me think of something else. I, uh, on a separate but not really separate topic— um, the rabbis talk about one of the things created on day one was a special light. So the Talmud says this light you could see around the world. What do you want to see around the world for? So the original purpose would be I could watch great rabbis do study Torah in another country. I could watch the temple service from another country. I could watch how different people do kind deeds. I could, I could learn from other people how to be better. The problem is I could also learn from other people how to rob a bank, right? I can learn from other people to be not so good. So therefore, God said, this light has to be put away. So a boy in class says to me, as I'm explaining, he said, you could watch your Rebbe, you could watch your, the, your father's rabbis, how they dance with the Torah on, on, during the holiday. So the boy says to me, I watched the video. I saw it. Is it the same thing? That's what I asked him. So you're thinking the wheels are grinding. Well, is it the same thing or is it not the same thing? Visually, it's the same thing. But from the standpoint of spiritually, I'm not sure. Because Good, you can't, video cannot capture the spirit of something. You can see people happy, but you can't see how they're feeling. Oh, you said, you said the perfect word. I was going to say mamish, but most people don't speak mamish. That's the word I was looking for. So on Simchat Torah, so the way I like to do it, uh, okay, at night we have at night, so by day, okay, we start the prayers, I'm going to say late, for you it's not so late, around 9 o'clock, do the morning service, done by about 10.30, then they got to sell anything that people will buy, then we do, we do a little out of order, because it's a very long day for me. Then we do what's called the Musaf prayer. 
Then we go home to eat. And I was in this in the school and the Shivigadoli here. They're gonna have uh, kiddish. They're gonna eat a little bit. They're gonna start. I go home, um, eat with family, who's ever there. About an hour and a half later, it's in the one thirty range. I'll go back and I'll be there the rest of the day. So for the next bunch of hours, you have hundreds of people dancing. It's beautiful. They're dancing and circles and Torah and holding hands and and everyone is so happy and everybody is so uplifted. They act like there's so many people. Um, one of the customs on Simchat Torah is everybody gets called up to to a portion of the Torah and they reread and reread and reread. We actually in the Shiva Gdola, they um, they take a Torah out to a side room, and for they read for two hours. So you take a break, and people take breaks and come in and out, and we take turns. I happen to be one of the people that read, because I'm fast. So you don't want somebody slow, somebody gets confused. You just want it rolling and moving. And, and <clears throat> so anyways, you're dancing for hours and hours and hours, to the point that, uh, that the, the rabbi has to get it to end. So he basically takes the tourist girls, ends the last two akafot, brings it, puts it away in the ark. They come out, and he leads the prayers, and he's going home at 6.10 to eat his meal with many, many boys following him home mm-hmm. because they want you got to start the meal at least before sunset, which was around 6.40-ish right. in, that, in that range. Anyways, during all this just dancing and running around and enjoyment and joy, right? that's what we're talking about, so, so somebody says to me, a friend of mine, he says, you know, Tzvi, you can't explain this to anybody. You got to live it. You got to experience it. If you're not there, you don't have the feeling. You, you, just, you, you just can't give this over. You, know, you can't bottle it. So, so I think that's the same point um, with the boy in my class where he says to me, he says, I saw a video. I saw this one dancing on a video. I said, the video is beautiful. And you see it, but you are not experiencing it. That emotion, that feeling, that joy, that happening, you got to be there. Well, it's also, I think it's the, the, it's the <coughs> culmination. You know, we, we read the Torah all year long, Parsha by Parsha, to get from, from the beginning, Bereshit, again to the end, Hanazinu. And... We're, it's the experience itself that we're celebrating, that you lived it, that you're alive. That, I mean, uh, all true. All true. I, I, I'm trying to focus. You're being much more broad. I just, I'm just focusing on, on, on the day, the enjoyment, the emotion of the day. I could take videos. I could have people come in and take beautiful pictures. It's like a wedding. I just got my, my son's wedding pictures. So I'm going to sit down with my wife. We're going to, I don't know, 800 pictures. What am I going to do with 800 pictures? And they take the same picture, you know, because now it's all digital. Right. So you Me snap. With Uncle Mookie and it just. Well, we take the same picture and, and, and they move their head this way. And I moved my head this way and this one blinked. And, you, and this one's arm was up and this one's arm was down. I'm not taking all those pictures. Um, unlike the old wedding albums. We had 40 or 50 pictures. We actually, for our kids, a very good idea. We'll take about 200 pictures. 
we'll print that we like of, of the kids, a couple dancing ones. We don't care. So the dancing's a few cutesy pictures. Mostly you get the families and the kids and the relatives, and you get them all in, and it's a, it's a, it's a decent-sized photo album. We'll just you know, go down to Casco, um, shameless plug. Um, they should be advertisers. Um, you know, you stick them in the album, and you flip through it, and it exists, and we'll look at it for a couple weeks, and then it'll go up on the shelf, and some kid will bring it down. What one of the kids, one of my uh, daughter-in-law says to me, she says, she never saw my wife. My wife wears a wig, so it's always been straight hair. But she heard that my wife was had like an afro, but like an afro, um, when we got married. She says, I, I wish I could see a picture of mommy like with that afro haircut. I said, oh, I, I have that picture. First, I used to carry it around in my wallet. That was my engagement picture. Uh, now, who carries around pictures and wallets? Now we have phones with 8,000 pictures. And then you replace the phone and you lose all the pictures. So I had made a Snapfish book when my wife turned 40 of like through the years. So that picture Beautiful. is there. Yeah, so we brought that picture. That was like fun. But anyway, that's just, that, that's, that's just, you know, bringing us back to the point. Pictures are beautiful, but there's nothing like being there. There's nothing like the emotion of the day, the feeling of the day, the, the excitement, the joy. <clears throat> I almost look at it. Sorry about my coughing. I almost look at it where, you know, we have a long winter ahead. It gets dark earlier. It's a little more depressing. It's almost like this is a day where I sort of soak in all this happiness, all this joy, all this friendship, all this Torah, all this celebration. I, I got to, like, soak it in to get me through this long, cold winter. Do you ever feel like that? I think so. I, let, let's, you know, the, the two <coughs> most exciting <coughs> holidays in my book are always Passover and the High Holidays. So to me, it's, no, it's not lost on me that one is a spring holiday and the other is an autumn holiday, the two prettiest times of the year where the temperatures aren't extreme. Um, in the spring, we have the, the, the hope of, of the coming summer. In the autumn, it's the realization that winter's coming. But it's, it's the most beautiful times of the year. So we, and we happen to have our most beautiful holidays during it. Well, you know what happens, by the way, that Passover and, and we'll call the high holidays, really the Sukkot holiday, a, a little bit to agricultural, right? In other words, Passover is when I'm harvesting, and Sukkot is when I'm bringing everything home. As I, I dried it out, I winnowed, I threshed. Okay, now we have combines. to do the whole thing when you just vacuum up your field over there. But, but that is part of the idea. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like bookends because Passover is considered the first ho holiday of the year, even though, yeah, technically um, Rosh Hashanah is the first holiday of the year. But, but really, really, um, the Talmud says if I were to make a donation, I would pledge to bring a sacrifice, and it could be that these rules and regulations work for any donation, right? But if I make a pledge, I'm going to bring a sacrifice. So I get from Passover to Sukkot to bring my sacrifice. That's how long I have. It's an argument amongst the rabbis, but, but the one we seem to follow is I have from Passover to Sukkot, mm -hmm. which means that if I made my, 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 my pledge after Passover— I really get more than a year. We've got to wait all the way till I get to Passover. And it's not just three holidays. It's from Passover to Sukkot all the way around the circle. That's the circle. Now, if I would have made my pledge a week before Passover, then I only got like seven months. Right. Because I'm going in that circular order. 
Okay. Now, just any last. Uh, oh, so I went to back up. So, who you said forever earlier? Gonna back us up. You said yes. we've been doing this forever. Okay, that's how me and you talk forever. Um, do you know? Do you know when the Simchat Torah holiday was actually set up? Because if you think about it, it's the second day of of really what's called Shemini Atzeres. Right. So it was it was it was that day is really a holiday. Um, for people outside of the land of Israel. When you lived in Israel, there was only one day, not two days in the holiday. But the question is, where in history did this concept of finishing reading the Torah, that we finish reading the Torah on the Simchat Torah, when did that happen? Do you have any idea? Well, my first guess would be that when Ezra brought out the scrolls and read the Torah to the people, that... At that particular time, it probably even coincided with Simcha's Torah. So it's interesting. Um, I have I'm no wrong. buzzer, and I would never. No, I would never. I can't have a buzzer in my studio. <laughs> then, then my guess will I will hurt their feelings, and I would never want to do that to someone. It seems to be that it took place from the time of the Geonim. In other words, if we had the destruction of the temple approximately 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. and then you had the Mishnah was written, then you had the sealing of the Talmud, which is somewhere in the 600 range, and then you had the time of the Geonim, which is somewhere in that seven, eight, nine hundred range, somewhere in that range is where the holiday of Simchat Torah was actually established. They established how we read each Torah portion. When we read each Torah portion, they actually were responsible for our for our prayer book, for what our prayer book actually looks like. Mm-hmm. And here comes my music which I hope you can hear, which means that we're up against a break. So, you're listening to Rabbi Tzvi. I'm joined by my friend Gil. We're going to be right back. Hold through the break, and we'll be right back. Hey, how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of the drop-in with Daryl Valley. We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont. Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan Trevilian, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We are here with David Yost, the original blue Power Ranger. Nobody promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Switch. Your your excuse is garbage. I'm going to pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. Welcome back to Pop That Culture. That's the horror movie. Bury <laughs> yeah. the phone in the fat cemetery. It's got a cord. <laughs> what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to the drop-in today. Then you get off your couch and you make life happen. 
Hello, folks. Welcome to the Greg Russell Movie Show. When I have a couple cocktails, everything's funnier. <laughs> I still just love that line. Yeah. Producer, director, how did this whole thing come about for you? And we're back. And Gil is still here. Maybe because his uh, walking stick is in the corner so he can't leave. Or maybe he's enjoying himself. I have no idea. I'm having Gil. a blast. Ah, wanted to make sure you're enjoying yourself. Very good. So we got to get into this week's Torah portion. We got, as we say, where it all began. In the beginning. Beratius Barrel. It came in the beginning. God created. Now it happens to be... I can't tell you if it's in the Septuaginta, King James Bible, um, but in the original Greek translation, instead of in the beginning, God created, do you know what it really says? No. No. It says God created the beginning. As what happened was, when they, if for some reason, if they would have done a, a real translation, a real... Um, Translation of Brace Barely Kim, it would have come out that the beginning created God. I can't tell you why exactly. Um, Probably to do with the languages, the ancient Greek language, and how they would translate the, from that to Hebrew, from Hebrew right. to that. Watch this. I'm going to be very unprofessional. Kelsey, you know, I love you guys, but somehow my thing is, I still hear you in the background. I'm so sorry. Okay, now they turned it off. Okay. Wasn't that unprofessional? But I like it. It makes me well, feel like normal. It's got to be just us here, Svi. It can't be just me. <laughs> I, I have so many friends. Everybody is here with me. I just can only hear myself talk. With you know, I can't hear so many people because uh, I'm a I'm a guy, right? I can't talk on the phone. That I learned, right? You see, you see somebody talking on the phone and you're trying to talk to them. It's like kids try to talk to you on the phone. I can't do all that. Either I'm talking to you on the phone, or I'm talking to my kids, but I can't do both. There were great rabbis that could do multitask. I am not the multitasker. My wife could be the multitasker, not me. In any case, for whatever strange reason, if you would have literally translated the Greek, the Torah into Greek, it would have sounded like the beginning created God. So you can't have that translation. Mm -hmm. We in English have no problem flipping around words. For some reason, when they were translating, they had an issue, so they, 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 they played with it a little bit, right? God created the beginning. Okay, fine. So, so we have God taking seven days, technically six days, but Sabbath is a creation, so taking seven days to create the world. So think about it, right? Like, like if it anyways doesn't matter to God how long it takes, so why did it take six days? Just, just be done. Great. Everything is here. Like, why does it take so long? Well, there's always the master plan. The he wanted it created, and he wanted creation to be of seven days. Of course, that you know, you sound like my kids in class. Don't get this the wrong way. That's a that's a I am that's a praise, not a insult. But um, if I'm even coming close to your students, I'm doing great. <laughs> I tell people all the time, right? If, if, if you're asking, if you don't have a background, my third graders know a lot of stuff. We 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 fill their minds. These kids study. They live this stuff, right? So if you didn't live it, so you're you know this a lot of information you don't have. Big deal. Um, so I tell them all the time, like I'll ask you, well, that's what God wanted. I said, great, that's true. But now I'm asking you to be intelligent. Like, you know, say something. Like, like why? Obviously, I know that's what God wanted. 
right? But why? So you tell me that was the master plan, that God wanted it to be over over seven days. Why? Well, there's the there's the implicit knowledge in my mind that one week represented one fifty second of a year, and that from it's from it's from the creation of the world, it always led to the calendar observance of Hashem and His place in our place with Him in the world. That from the very idea of creation, the long-term relationship between man and His Creator, our Creator would be set in stone, and inarguably so. I mean, how in the world, why not five days? Why not eight right, days? Right, the, 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 the creation was set at seven, and seven was the exact correct number for the, the world and the universe we live in. This amazingly perfect planet that if it was 1% closer to the sun, we'd fry. If it was 1% farther right. from the sun, we would freeze. And... Here we are. Uh, it it's it's too perfect, and the the more we learn about it, the more we understand just how unbelievably miraculous that con concept and the creation itself was. Okay, cool. So I'm gonna back up a little bit, um, and and I wasn't really so clear. I it didn't really. Five days, eight days. That, that wasn't my intention in the question, but you, you got the point across. Anyways, um, what I really meant was that, and then I'll answer your number seven. Seven happens to be a special number. We're going to talk about that, that, that seven. But um, what I really meant was that, yes, God could have created in a second. Of course he could have. But by creating it in seven days, a few special things are accomplished. Number one, um, one of the famous things uh, that the commentaries mention is, you know, when, when, when man was created, he came to a world like, like coming to a meal. The table is set, like going to a restaurant. The table is set, the food is prepared. He came to a set table. Everything was ready for man when he showed up. So, that, so to a certain extent, that means that I'm better, and I am better, I have a soul. I am better than anything that was created before me. That's the point. Right? When you come to the restaurant, right, nobody thinks that, that the steak is better than you. Right? As you came to the restaurant. Right? They're serving you. You came to the meal. You're being served. Obviously, you're the, you're the important one here. We're the welcome guest. Yes. We're the important one. But if you don't do what you were put on this world to accomplish... Well, then you should keep in mind that the little fly was created before you, right? In other words, if you're not going to serve your purpose, uh, so there's other stuff created before you, you're not that important, right? I'm only important because I have a purpose and I'm going to try to accomplish my purpose. That's part one. A and in that same line of thinking, so, so if the world was created over seven days, and I fulfill my purpose in this world, then I deserve to be rewarded for a world that was created over seven days. That's, that makes it a greater reward for me than if it just would have been created in a second, for argument's sake.
That's mm-hmm. that's the direction I was looking for. Now, there's really another point. You were talking about the number seven. So that's correct. The number seven represents a physical world. We have seven days in a week. We have seven days in the sabbatical cycle for years. Okay, there's seven heavens. Um, the last, the holiday we just finished, which is really fantastic, the Sukkot holiday is seven days long. Right. Then there's the eighth day called Shemini Atzeres. Now, we had Semchat Torah afterwards, but really that's a one-day combination. That's the eighth day. Right? Seven days is normal. Eight is above nature. Eight is that magical number that's always above nature. Circumcision is eight. Um, again, over the seven heavens is eight. Um, uh, let me see. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti. Seven. Seven bars of music. Right? Seven. The last do is just to make the song nice, but it's the same note, right? Right. So seven is nature, right? So I believe in, in a musical instrument, if you had a harp or whatever, it, it's seven. There's seven bars, right? There's seven strings. That's all you got. To have an eighth note... Right, that becomes spiritual. That's above and beyond. It's and transcendence. Yeah, so that's when you tell me that the guy was creating the calendar and showing the calendar. Yeah, the calendar is based on a seven-day week because seven, seven is nature. Once we get past nature, now you're dealing with number eight. And that, that we find all over the place. Kabbalah, that's a, that's a pretty standard concept, that magical number seven followed by the number eight. Well, it's also, but it also includes everything else. I mean, the seven, the seven itself is holy. It's, it's a, it's, and it always will be tied to that. So once we go past that, on one hand, it, it can be very spiritual and elevating, but then there's also, there's the, the right after Shabbos comes another week. That, 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 right. When that you're nothing. calling Shabbos holy, when you're calling the seven day holy, so we should really think about it, right? The world was created in six days. Right. And as God finished man and everything is finished up on day six, so what was created on day seven? If we say the world was took seven days to create, man was here. We're done. No, we're done. God is done. So what's being created on day seven? Holiness. So it says that God saw the world was missing menucha, missing rest. So God created rest. He created the Sabbath. That's the seventh day. But what I, I would focus on in a different direction we the 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 idea of the sabbath or anything else by the way for that matter is that i take my physical i take what you want to call mundane if you like that fancy word right i take i take the physical and i can make it spiritual what i mean is to, and we've talked about it in the past before for sure me and you've talked about it it's, it would be our kind of conversation um monks look at it that, that the only way to be holy is to be completely separate from all physical pleasure. Mm-hmm. That is not a Jewish thought. Correct. In a Jewish thought, I take spiritual, I guess I take physical and I and I make it spiritual. I take a regular day of the week and I have Sabbath. I take my food and I make a blessing over it. Right? And I and I and I exercise and I make my body healthy so that I could be I could be spiritual. And here comes my music again. 
Now I really have to tell him this is really Rosh Hashanah music, but that's okay. I like the song anyways. Anyways, you're listening to Rabbi Tzu and Let's Talk Torah. I'm joined by Gil. Hold through the break. We still got stuff to talk about. We're going to be right back. All right. Do you want to see things like this? Did you just say you died? <laughs> well, I mean, technically. Or maybe even something like this. We'll do nothing but destroy your corpses and burn them all for my dogs. Your dogs are gone. And sometimes, a little of this. We need to have a talk. <laughs> I take my axe and I smash it. No! <laughs> and check out Podquesters, the show where we tackle ghoulish goblins, fiendish foes, and dangerous tricks. Oh, like the singer? No, the dragon creature. Oh. Anyways, Podquesters, Fridays, only on NewRadioMedia.com. Welcome back to Who's Got Chutzpah. I'm your host, Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. And are you ready? Andy. Uh... What holiday is this associated with? Oh boy, uh, uh. Sukkot? I'm sorry, that's not the answer we were looking for. Whitney, for the win, can you tell us which holiday is this? I'm I know, Shavuot. No, I'm sorry. I've got the answer. Ta-da! What? My show, Let's Talk Torah, where we talk Torah, holidays, faith, and all the things that help us live our life. That's Let's Talk Torah, Thursdays at 3 p.m. That's pretty good. Many times we see a guy running down to first base and it's, it turns into a hobble. Get yeah. umped. I mean, that's the, <laughs> get umped. <laughs> that can't be the same guy. Can't be the same guy. Why are we here? What makes a person truly good? For those answers, you're gonna have to take a philosophy class. But if you're more interested in who would win in a fight between R2-D2 and a Dalek, watch Get It to the Geeks. And we're back. And Gil is still here. I'm and not so, walking out. Well, for numerous reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, so, it's, so I must be treating you so nicely. I am treating you nicely. I'm having a blasphemy. I have not yelled at you yet, but don't worry. We're getting there. We still have one set. Well, we have two segments. The last segment is so fast, I for sure won't have time. But who, let's find out. Anyways, so the day that, that man was created... On that day, God was busy. That was a busy day. The other days, I don't know. I can't really figure out why it takes so long to do certain things if you're God, but okay, no problem. Um, so man is created. Adam is created. His wife is created. Eve, she's a piece of him, whatever. We can get into that another time. And God gives them one mitzvah, one command, which was? Don't eat the fruit. Don't eat from the Eitzadas and the Tree of Knowledge. I have one thing I asked you. And how long did he last? He didn't even make it through the whole day. So on the same day he was created, by the way, is the same day that he tells man, he tells Adam, he says, don't eat from the Tree of Knowledge and Eitzadas, and he fails miserably. Or on fails. the first day? On the first day. Yeah, this did not take long. He was in the Garden of Eden. Actually, God did him a favor. Um, and he allowed 
Adam and his wife, and two children, by the way, to stay in the Garden of Eden for one Shabbos. One Shabbos they got, and then they were booted out, not to return. That was it, one day. So now I want to backtrack and get into it. So first of all, as a famous question, um, do you happen to know what the fruit was? Well, everyone says it was the apple, but it was it wasn't. Who told you this secret? Uh, it's been around for a while. It's again, as you said, it was the the fruit of knowledge, and. There's a lot of speculation as to what particular tree and what particular fruit was taken. And we've been debating that for since forever. <laughs> and I mean, the Talmud talks about it. Of course. The Talmud discusses this. Um, it's one of, I think, four. Some say it's the date tree, I think, because... And it says, what leaves did he take? What tree did he use? So I think it was a date tree. They say he used the, the leaves to because they, they, weren't, they weren't dressed. Right. right? So he used those clothes. I think some say it might be a grape. Um, others say, interesting enough, that it was wheat, which is really fascinating. And the reason for that is it says children um, can't have knowledge till they actually eat grain. And usually babies are not eating grains. It takes about two years of eating grains, or even less. So knowledge can't come before that. And I don't remember the fourth one offhand. It might have been the etrog. I don't mm-hmm. remember for sure. That's also a possibility. But apple is not on the list. And I have no idea where apple came from, right? And the Torah itself, it doesn't say what the tree was. It's just kind of one of these things in... Western civilization and culture well, just kind of became true. Yeah, I, I don't know. Right. It, it came from somewhere, but I don't know where it came from. I'm sure someone will email me or or Facebook me or LinkedIn me and tell me where it comes from. I don't know where it comes from. So are you saying that the whole problem with Cain and Abel is that Cain was lacto- was gluten-free? Was gluten-free. Well, we're going to see. It wasn't gluten. It was, it was, <laughs> it was flax. something else. Yeah, that, that for sure wasn't. But um, in any case... Interesting. So God says, don't eat from this tree in the middle of the garden. You can have anything else you want. Everything was already growing and everything was... They were vegetarians, by the way, mm-hmm. till after the flood. Everybody's vegetarians, even the animals. So one of the kids in class says to me, come on, predators. We know how many animals are predators. I said, it's true. I said, but it says in Isaiah that when the Messiah comes, so that, right, the, the lion will lie down will, with the lamb. Yeah, but it says they're going to eat this, the grass, right, because they're going to become vegetarians again. So meat eating didn't happen until after the flood. That's fine. So, yeah, everything you want is there. All the foods and fruits, and it's delicious. And I happen to like fruit. I'm a, I mean, not as much now, my diets and stuff, but, uh, but I like fruits. I love avocado, tomatoes which is pretty much my diet right now, uh, with a little tuna fish, little eggs, little chicken, you know, not major, but we lost a lot of weight since last year. It's good. But in any case, um, so Adam does something fascinating. You know, sometimes we think we're, we're like too smart. So he goes to his wife and he says, Dear, God said, don't touch that tree. Now he should have said, God said, don't eat from that tree. Instead, he figures, you know what? I don't want to have any problems. I'm just going to tell her God said, don't touch it. 
that was the problem. We have a, a phrase: if you when you add, you end up subtracting. If you think you're so smart, you want to add to the rules. When you add to the rules, you just make life worse. Don't add. Now, the problem on the other, on the flip side, is we know the rabbis made many uh, what we call decrees to keep us far from sinning. Mm-hmm. So, what's the difference? It's very simple. I explained this in my class today. I thought it was, you think about it, it's really very, there's two ways to do it. All Adam had to say is, look, God said we're not allowed to eat it. Let's not make ourselves any problems. Let's not even touch the tree. Then there would have been no problem. Instead, Adam didn't want to make life complicated. Eh, don't touch. So the snake comes along, and the snake pushes Chava into the tree, pushes Eve into the tree, and says, See, you touched it, nothing happened. Obviously, God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because you're going to be like God. I, you see, you didn't die, right? Because Adam told her, God said the day you eat it, you're going to die. Right. Adam says to his wife, if you touch it, you're going to die. Now she touches it, she doesn't die because that was never the deal. So now she goes ahead and the snake says, see, you could eat it. Because what's the difference? Touching, eating, it's all the same. You see, nothing happened. God's afraid that you're going to eat from that and you'll become a god yourself. Well, but it's it's the wrong side of the fear. I mean, the truth is, is that um, once fear is removed, then we make mistakes. Well, yeah, well, the fear is removed because cause Adam didn't give her the right instructions. He, 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 again, he had a good reason but uh, but it was misplaced, right? He thought it'll be safe if I say don't touch. So he gave her over the information from God wrong. He said, don't touch or you'll die. It's not true. God never said if you touch, you're going to die. You want to make a fence to protect yourself. Great idea. But make sure you're being very clear. And as when the rabbis say we can't do certain things, they they don't pretend that they're telling us what God said. They're saying, God said, I don't know, you got to finish praying by this time. You got to finish the evening prayer before dawn. But people go to sleep. You know, it's so easy if you're going to try to take a nap. It's so easy to take a nap and wake up and the sun is shining. So we're telling you, don't pray after, for argument's sake, after midnight. Because if you do, you might fall asleep and then you're going to lose out on your prayers as an example. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're being very clear to me. They're telling me, we don't want you to pray too late because we're afraid you'll go to sleep. So now he explained everything to me. So you didn't say God said. You said, we're going to ask you to be careful. That way you won't make any mistakes. Very, very smart. Adam doesn't say that to his wife. He says, don't touch. That's what God said. It's not true. And that led to Chava, to Eve eating from the fruit and then her giving it to Adam. And now, and as soon as they ate it, by the way, it, it's amazing. Without getting, it's 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 quite complicated. What what happened um, by eating from the tree? There was a major change in the world. Right, major. Oh yeah, what was the change? Well, instead of the entire world being uh, gamadin, uh, it was it all changed. Okay, that's not what I meant. But it, what what did you think when you said it changed? Well, it the entire world was paradise 
And well, the moment the moment, we, the moment we screwed up, it Gone Aiden became just a yeah, little part of the world, I, I, and I, the rest I, of it. Was, I'm not sure if that's true. By the way, um, you know, they were living in the garden, right? Right. So there's a world, and there's a garden, and now they're going to be thrown out of the garden. I don't think God created a world now that they now that they ate. We would have just hung out in the garden. We we don't need the rest of the world, right? What was its purpose? I have no idea. What's the difference? There was a. This was a a a. This was like a a. I'm sure you know the right English, but this was a major shift. It says, before they ate, it was it was basically everything was black and white. Everything was like was was yes or no. There was there was. That was it. it. Everything was perfect. Yeah, everything everything was, was right. They could run around without clothes on because it didn't matter to them. It was like it was irrelevant. Once they ate, but they were also weren't cold. So fine, it, perfect the, temperature. That doesn't matter to me. Well, that means it was like a California seventy-six degrees every single day. Right. Well, some will tell you that before the flood, you had the same thing. You had perfect temperatures. It was San Diego. It was beautiful. It was like yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean the temperature of San Diego. I don't mean the other issues they might have out there. But as far as temperature goes, um, what I mean is once they ate from it, the knowledge life changed into true and false. It was like um, I told one of the kids in my class, I said, like, you ask your mother a question, and she says, it depends. What do you mean it depends? Because it's not yes or no anymore. There's, there, there's gray. Everything is gray. Everything, you can look at it this way, you can look at it that way. That's what happened. They created gray instead of just black and white once they ate. And they could no longer stay in the Garden of Eden. Now you're out. Now your perfect world is done. And the world becomes less perfect even once we get after the flood. That's a different conversation, which perhaps... Well, it was straight downhill from, from the moment we left. Well, yes, that's for sure. But but even even in other ways. But that that we can't do everything in one in one one segment like that would be crazy. Um, so what happens is okay. So God now has to approach um, Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, and say, "What happened?" So he starts making noise, and he starts. Uh, like he's coming, I guess he he made the, the wind and noise, and so Adam and Chava both go and hide. So God says, "Why are you hiding? We don't have clothes. How do you know you need clothes? I didn't tell you, you need clothes. You were fine till now. Uh, we ate from the tree. So God says." Why did you eat from the tree? Adam, man, why did you eat from the tree? So what should he have answered? What would have been the correct answer? Do you know? I gave my wife wrong instructions, and as a result, she, I, she was tricked, and then I was tricked. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Not the answer I wanted, but not bad. Okay. But better than what kids in my class said. Uh, what did he say? You know what? I'm blanking. Uh, let me tell you what he really said. What he said was, and we'll have to continue this after the break. What he said was, that lady you gave me for a wife, she gave me to eat. So God says to his wife, why'd you eat? She didn't say your answer either. She said, the snake made me do it. 
So, and we'll get back to this because our, our nobody was about taking responsibility. Seconds. Oh, that's what it wanted. <laughs> was a lack of gratitude. All God wanted was go ahead and say I made a mistake. Do you know how hard it is to punish somebody when when they when you come in and attack them and say I made a mistake? All you had to do was admit you made a mistake, but they could not admit to making a mistake. There's a lack of gratitude. We'll try to touch on this. Um, I'm up against it. Um, you're listening to Rabbi Tzu on Let's Talk Torah. I'm joined by Gil. Hold through the break, and we're going to finish up the show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Pop That Culture. That's a horror movie. <laughs> Bury the phone in the fat cemetery. It's got a cord. <laughs> what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to the drop-in today. Then you get off your couch and you make life happen. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Greg Russell Movie Show. When I have a couple cocktails, everything's funnier. <laughs> I still just love that line. Yeah. Producer, director, how did this whole thing come about for you? Times we see a guy running down to first base and it's, it turns into a hobble. Get yeah. Umped. I mean, that's the, get umped. <laughs> that, that can't be the same guy. Can't be the same guy. I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of The Drop-In with Gerald Valley. Now we're back on. You know, behind the glass, they're so good to me. I take off my, my headphones for a minute, and I'm having such a good time schmoozing here with Gil, and I, I forgot the time. So since they couldn't uh, talk to me through my headphones, they banged around the glass, and I actually paid attention. So that was excellent. So we are back with very little time, but as I told uh, Gil, you can see right behind me, I'm sure you can see it there on the wall, is we're almost at the end of the Hebrew alphabet. We have a letter a week. We're actually up to the second to last letter, which is? Tough. Well, a tough and tough count is one letter. So go ahead. What's the letter before that? Well, then it's Chet. Uh, no, it's uh, Shin. Shin. Shin and Sin. So it looks like, you know, actually, it could look like a nose if you put it upside down. It's, uh, it's got like three branches with a base. It either makes the... The SH, the SH sound, or the S sound, it can actually be used both ways. Its numerical value is 300. Um, and I try to find a word every week. A word. See, I came up with the word Shana. 
Shana means year. Yeah. We talked about calendar before. Obviously, you need a Shana for a year. Um, the new year just began with Rosh Hashanah. Um, as you said earlier, Gil, um, we, we finished up the season. Now we're starting a new year. And we're hoping everybody has a very a happy year, a healthy year, a successful year. That's what we're looking for. And uh, what uh, what me and Gil were talking about, um, till we were rudely interrupted by people almost breaking down the glass to make sure I'm paying attention, um, I, I, I keep asking Gil, I said, so what do you want to talk about? You know, anything that we missed, Torah portion, this, that. So I, I think Gil has fixated on the name of my show. So it's about Torah, let's talk Torah, we're talking Torah. And you told me that everything is a journey. Right. What were you talking about? Which is what I kept asking you, by the way. Well, it's the, in my mind, that you know we're all on our own journey. And for some, it's a spiritual journey. For some, it's just going from one place to another. Um, for others, it's a search for something. And I'm... You know, I find it so interesting that so many people uh, from all walks of life and all and so many faiths find your find your show um, an interesting uh, guidepost for them, and that I think that you know you're in a, an important and interesting part of their journey, and we should be encouraging them to you know have their eyes open and their minds open, and to stay on the journey. Oh, that you know. I couldn't have gotten a better advertising plug if I asked for one. And if your family still had all those grocery stores, I make all those grocery stores my sponsors. But, you know, I'm a little bit stuck on that one, you know. The, uh, for those who know the Borman family, I don't know all the names. These are, I remember Farmer Jack. Yes. Farmer Jack was one of them. Well, Farmer Jack was the, the, Followed, the name that we... You had Farmer Jack, right? Yes, but it, was, it remained Farmer Jack until we sold the company. Right, so that was when I first moved to town about twenty-five years ago. There was a Farmer Jack on uh, on uh, Greenfield and Lincoln. Right, that was a Farmer Jack. That place has been sold and reused ten different times. They never refilled it again with anything decent. Sorry for all these stores that are there, but you don't advertise with me anyway. So as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> um, no, 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 no. Uh, right, it was Farmer Jack. Was there another pharmacy? And that it was another another um, grocery. Or that was it. Was always Farmer Jack. From our family's business, it was always it was Farmer Jack. Before that, it was Food Fair. Before that, it was Lucky Stores. Uh, before that, it was it started as Tom's Quality Market. Wow, back in history, it's fantastic. But yes, um, it, it's. We all are on a journey, and the problem is, I, as we talked about earlier in the show, uh, we all have a purpose here. There mm-hmm. is some, when God put me in this world, and put Gil in this world, and put anybody listening in, to the show in this world, and even the people not listening, um, but they should be, um, we all were put here with a purpose. The problem is, how am I supposed to know what my purpose is? That's a good question. And uh, one of the things we've talked about is when I find that I have talents, I find I, when, when there's things I'm good at, when there's things I can help others with, that may be helping me go in the direction I'm supposed to want to go. Now, how do I know what God wants me to do? And I was, you know. You, you know. I mean, it, in the sense that you wake up every day and you know you want to do good things. You know, you know what your schedule is and you want to do all the good things within that schedule. But then you also, I think, want to be going 
going someplace further, to have a, ma a master plan within the great master plan. Good. All true. All correct. Except, you know, and you probably run into the same people I do. Um, maybe not. But you got to love the person who says to, and I tell this people all the time, and I'm pretty straight about it. I'm a straight guy. Um, I have a good heart. I have a good heart. And I ask the person, how do you know? There's many cultures out there in the world, and they're all pretty convinced that they have it right. So how do you know? In other words, I believe I have a good heart, but who decided that I have a good heart? So on that, the answer really becomes that, well, God gave you his book. He gave you the Torah. He told you this is good and this is not good. He gave you the, the signposts, but if you're not following his Torah, Right? Then how are you supposed to know, how did you decide that you're so good? That was not an open-ended question. You know question, when you okay. know. It's, the, it's funny. I had a friend last year who was going through a, gr a great spiritual crisis, and it was terrible. And at one point, he, he just he didn't want to live anymore. And I, I said, i said, I got to stop you there. I said, listen, what, you're so hard on yourself. And I said, I want to tell you something that you don't know about yourself, or at least you're not seeing right now. I asked him, can you name a single person in this world that you've ever deliberately hurt? And he paused for a moment, and I, he knew the answer, and I knew the answer. But the moment I said that to him, I could see that he had changed, and that he was less sad, and he realized that there, there was life and, and something going forward. And it was a, a very moving moment for me. And it was beautiful, and it's amazing. But um, but I, I, I think we need to take this one, which of course we've run out of time, but we need to take this one deeper. In other words, we all imagine, you know, that naturally we're good and naturally we figured it out. But you know what? At the end of the day, if I don't have God telling me how to behave, how do I know that naturally I got it good? And my music is on. Gil, it's been so much fun. I appreciate so much you gave me time today. But we got to thank everybody. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor listeners. You know, I couldn't do it without you. Thank you to our wonderful production team. We got a whole bunch back there. I got Kelsey, Steve, Zach, um, Angel's back there. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next week, I am Rabbi Tzvi. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.